Good morning, good evening, good afternoon, and welcome to another edition of Movement Radio. I am Chip Hazard. I'm Talon Williams. And I'm Roger Sierra. And tonight, ladies and gentlemen, we are going to continue on this uh, role that we've been having with video games and things of that nature. And tonight, we are going to be talking about the top 10 Nintendo 64 OSTs. Now, do you guys know what the OST is? Well, if you don't, it's a, it's original soundtrack. Now, for many gamers, the N64 was the first glimpse at 3D gaming. The first major console released by Nintendo, the N64 hit stores on the shelves on 19, in 1996 or 1997 if you're in the if you're in Europe or Australia. A year or two after the groundbreaking Sega Saturn and Sony PlayStation. Now, on paper, the N64 features impressive hardware uh, specifications compared to its rivals of the time. But because some quirks, notably the N64's 4-kilobit uh, of texture memory uh, compared to the PlayStation, which had 1 megabit of uh, dedicated video memory, which could be allotted variably for textures, its games didn't really have much of a technical advantage. Furthermore, N64 games were cartridge-based, not counting the 64DD. I think very few people had that, which means that there was less space available. This noticeably impacted the amount and base quality of sound and music, especially noticeable comparable to CD-quality sound on the PlayStation and the Sega uh, Saturn. That all being said, the N64 still has some of the best and most iconic video games of all time and amazing soundtracks to go along with them. While Nintendo might have lost the quote unquote console war around this time, these songs are all winners in our hearts. So here we go with the top 10 game soundtracks from the N64. Which one do you guys want to kick it off tonight? I'll, I'll start this one since you guys have done the last few. Go ahead. Um, so first game on the list, which is surprising as this one, um, I thought it would have been higher is Mario Kart 64 um, came out December 14th, 1996, uh, actually in Japan, and then February 10th, 1997 in the United States, and for the Europeans, June 24th, 1997. But uh, Mario Kart 64 is the sequel to Super Mario Kart on the uh, Super Nintendo, and the first time a long-running kart racing series to feature uh, true 3D environments in its tracks, but not true 3D character models which are pre-rendered because they wouldn't have the capability to do that. Um, But this technology made more complicated tracks possible, allowing for changes in elevation, walls, bridges, and more unique stage pieces to uh, liven up the environments. The game also upped its multiplayer account to four-player from the two on the Super Nintendo uh, and added other new features such as ghost data for time trials, mirror mode, and a character weight system uh, still present in the current series. So the music for Mario Kart 64 was actually composed by uh, Kenta Nagata and was his first work on a Nintendo game. Uh, he later would do more music for the Mario Kart series as well as other games like Super Mario Brothers, Pokemon Stadium, uh, Legend of Zelda Wind Waker, that, that's the, that man's the god, uh, yeah. and Animal Crossing. Uh, we love how lively yet smooth a lot of these songs on the Mario Kart 64 soundtrack are and the excellent instrumentals. Uh, with good variety to match the different stages and some truly memorable nostalgic jams, the Mario Kart 64 soundtrack fits perfectly with this game. 
making all the fun moments even better and added on appropriate feeling of accomplishment at the end. Um, so real quick, this one lists a couple of the tracks that it calls the standout tracks, but I'll ask you guys your favorites here in a second. But uh, this one says Rainbow Road, the Victory Lap, and then the Frap, the Frappe Snowland, and also Sherbert Land. Uh, so what about you guys? Which ones also stand out for you that you remember a lot of? Go ahead, Chip. Uh, well, Rainbow Road was always my favorite, for sure. And I mean, that's on the list, but um, that was always my favorite uh, level to play because of the music that played during it. Yeah, for me, which I think Rainbow Road is probably the one that it's like the most iconic of all of the uh of all the uh uh courses on each of the uh Mario games regardless of regardless of whatever Mario Mario Kart game that you play you always want to play Rainbow Road you always want to you know um i liked uh, uh yeah uh, snow, the snowland uh, in sherbert land is always really good that little snow kind of like a christmasy kind of feel to it um, <clears throat> excuse me. Um, Koopa's Koopa Troopers Beach, I thought we had a pretty cool. It had like an island theme to it a little bit. Like I yep. kind of like that. That looked like a Caribbean type. Yep. Um, uh, Banshee Boardwalk, I thought was really cool. It was like that real scary. It was like an updated version of the Ghost Level in the original Super uh, Mario Kart. Um, I like that one as well. I thought that was I thought that was well, pretty cool. And, and then when you're wait, racing through um, Bowser's Castle, yes, Bowser's Castle as well. Yes. With DK's the, uh, Jungle Parkway was also pretty cool too. I thought. Yeah. The, what the, about you, uh, Raj? D- DK's and Koopa Troopa's Beach was kind of similar. Only the Koopa Troopa one was more Caribbean, and then DK's was more of like a like a deep, you know, more you know, tom drums and things of that nature. But yeah, w- what about you, Raj? Um, I, I like Moo Farm one pretty well. Uh, Yoshi's Valley, uh, the Choco Mountain. Uh, shoot. Uh, what's the other one? Uh, Wario Stadium. Those are probably the ones I, I I like the most. Oh yeah, I forgot about Wario Stadium. Yeah, especially especially how the music intensifies on that last lap of Wario Stadium, and you know one of your boys got a star. I uh, got a lightning bolt ready to screw somebody over right on that last jump. Nah, fuck a lightning bolt. I'm ready to hit you with blue shell, <laughs> right off the do- right on the dome. Yeah, but you got to time the blue shells hit right to make them go back into that valley to go from first to fourth. Hey, if you can time it right, well, then again, the lightning bolt is, is quicker. Yeah. I don't know. It's just the satisfaction of that blue shell blowing up. It's just, I don't know, <laughs> something satisfying about it. Uh, do either of you have uh, Mario Kart 8? Uh, uh, technically, yes. Technically, Unfortunately, yes. no. Unfortunately, no. Well, I don't have to. I don't have to switch like in the room with me at all. At pretty much the kids right. pretty much have it. <laughs> uh, did you? He technically the... has it, but he don't technically have it. <laughs> yeah. Okay. Uh, d- did Did you buy the uh, the booster pack for the new levels? I haven't got the new levels yet. No. Okay, so I bought it, and uh, they're dropping eight new tracks on August fourth which I think will be before this episode comes out, but eight new tracks on August 4th. Okay. 
Um, definitely we'll have to... I'll have to see how the levels are first. I always stick with the levels are, because, I mean... Because the first, the first time they released a pack for new levels, the only one I cared about was the Zelda ones. So, I mean... Yeah. And it was like... Like, do I really want to pay this much money for one track, technically? Yeah. So it I, uh, I, I got to see what the, what the tracks are. Yeah, I went ahead and bought it because the, the boys love playing Mario Kart. So I bought it so they could have more levels to play. So. Oh, I mean, I, I like it. The kids... I think they like playing Mario Kart 64 more. Uh, I guess it's just a little bit. It's not as technical as Mario Kart 8 because you have to. You gotta remember, like the 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 drifting and yeah. the weight matters way more in this one than it does in uh, 64. It was yeah. a simpler time back then. Real See, simpler time. <laughs> the the 64 you <clears throat> literally just pick up and play. With with Mario Kart Eight, there's there's a little of te- little bit of technicality that goes into it, with setting up like your racer to your car to your wheels to the um, parachute that you use, or whatnot. Yeah, so I use a paraglider. Mm. Hmm. You yeah. also use a Lemmy. So. Uh... Yeah. Who wants the uh, next one? I'll take the next one. Or do you have something no, else no, no. to say? No, no, no. I don't. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Go ahead, go ahead, Chip. I kind of want, I kind of want the one after this one. So stop looking ahead. Yeah, stop <laughs> looking ahead. I looked one uh, ahead. Uh, so next up is uh, Goman's Great Adventure. Uh, did did either of you play this game? I think I actually have it still. I uh, I, I, I got to be honest. I played it but I don't own it. I've rented it like a long, long time ago. Don't remember it. At, at oh, all. Dude, it's such a good mo- game. I almost said movie. It's such a good game. <laughs> I enjoyed it a lot. Right. Uh, so, oh, the, oh, you, you talk about this one. The You talked about it. Um, mm-hmm. You said it was a, you said the mystic ninja. Okay. Yeah. You talked about it when we did our N64 episode. Go ahead. Yep. Um, so this was published and developed by Konami and it released uh, December 23rd, 1998 in Japan, September 15th, 99 in North America, and June 18th, 99 in the EU. So while Gomon games, which are often called Mystical Ninja in certain localized versions, um, aren't unknown in the West, it is certainly more obscure than in its native Japan, where the series has received over 20 installments and over a dozen spinoffs. The Nintendo 64 is actually the system that saw the most worldwide releases with two games, Mystical Ninja Star and Gomon and Gomon's Great Adventure, or um, in Europe it was known as Mystical Ninja 2 starring Gomon. The Gomon games revolved around the titular character Gomon, a Robin Hood-like ninja loosely based on the semi-legendary Ishiwaka Gomon and his quirky adventures uh, in a fictional feudal Japan where all of the folklore of the time is true and there are also giant robots and other uh, anachronic 
masochistic material. I always get, I always stumble over that word. <laughs> I mean, it's, it's one of those words we don't use in our common vernacular here, really. Yeah. Uh, so Gomon's Great Adventure marked a return to side-scrolling gameplay more reminiscent of the early Super Nintendo slash Super Famicom games, but with an added 2.5D flair and a two-player cooperative mode that made it what is considered the best side-scrolling game on the system. The Gomon series has had a history of strong soundtracks, and Gomon's Great Adventure is not is no expect no exception i cannot talk tonight i am so sorry <laughs> uh blending traditional japanese instruments and melodies with modern synthesizers and a few rock numbers for character theme songs gives the music a unique style that makes this original soundtrack stand out its track listing is also massive with nearly 70 songs plus day and night variations very impressive given cartridge limitations the offbeat distinctly japanese style of gomon's great adventure soundtrack matches the gameplay and story perfectly and easily makes our top 10 nintendo 64 uh soundtracks okay i gotta be honest with you yeah. While you was reading that, I muted my mic, and I went to YouTube and I looked up the uh, the one of the, the the standout tracks to see if I can remember it, the Ryugu Castle. Mm-hmm. As I was listening to it, I realized I remember where I heard it from. Okay, and I remember. He, no, oh, I I didn't know if he actually had a song with it or not. I was joking. No, I I heard it on Botchamania. That's where I remember hearing that song from. Was from Botchamania, and then because you know, it makes sense though. They I mean, a lot of old stuff on there. Yeah, I mean, I mean, they do a lot of like old, old, old video games, like like the N sixty four, and you know, some. I think the latest, like maybe a PS two. No, maybe a PS two. Yeah, he he, he does a bunch of the, J, the JRPG stuff music. Yeah, yeah, but I, but this is where I remember hearing it. Hearing the song now, I'm like, okay, but I'm as I'm listening to it, like I'm listening to it currently. Like it does sound like really, really good. It sounds like it's like it actually sounds like something you'd hear on like Street Fighter or something. Yeah. Makes me want to go back and play it. I wonder if it's on the the Switch or I don't think something. that one's on the Switch. They may have one of the later ones. Probably that like Mystic Ninja Two or something. Uh, well, I mean, they probably would use their actual the Japanese naming on, so I forgot what it would be. Yeah. Uh, the actual Japanese name would be Ganbara Goman Diredo Ro Dolchu Obaku Tenko Mori. And I probably butchered the way that's pronounced. <laughs> Butcher. Yeah, I would definitely butcher it. I'm even going to attempt it. I'll attempt it, but <laughs> oh wow! Fuck. So, Mystical Ninja for the Nintendo 64 is currently going 
uh, for one hundred ninety nine dollars ninety nine cents. Yeah, it's the localized American version. So yeah. Oh wow, that's a yeah. lot. <laughs> I'm pretty positive I have that in my uh, box of games. Yeah, I played it like I probably I probably rented it from Blockbuster like many many moons ago, and then just re- returned it. Blockbuster. But yeah, it shows is how old I am, Buff, right? Is, is that that move Buff, Buff Bagwell used to do? I believe so. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, Logan Paul does it like a gangster. Hey, Logan Paul. Yeah, man. <laughs> he does yeah. it very safely too. He like cradles perfectly. Oh, he yeah. does. Him, him, and Montez Ford both. Yeah. yeah, Montez Ford does it like, like duck clothes on. He comes off the ropes, jumps, and just like golly, dude, that dude's so man, crazy. It's crazy how athletic that dude is. But anyway, so from there, we're gonna move on to the next one on the list. The next one on the list is one of my personal favorite in sixty four games, Diddy Kong Racing, uh, published by Rare, developed by Rare. Released on November 21st, 1997 in Japan and Europe. Released November 24th, 1997 in North America. Interesting. And being held hostage by Microsoft now. Let me let, let me get through this and I'll, I'll let you rant. Uh, <laughs> interestingly enough, Diddy Kong Racing started development as a real-time strategy game, but quickly shifted gears early in development into a kart racer, heavily inspired by Mario Kart 64, but... With a bit of a few twists, most notably having game features uh, different types of vehicles such as carts, hovercrafts, and airplanes, as well as a pretty fleshed out adventure mode. Excuse me. The whole game was inspired by the theme parks of Disney World. These unique features, along with its roster of popular Donkey Kong and other rare characters, let the game stand out even though its gameplay is mostly derivative from earlier titles. For fans of Rare and fans of gaming music in general, the name David Wise is instantly recognizable. As the longtime composer for many of the company's greatest hits, perhaps most notably the Diddy Kong uh, Country series, love that soundtrack, David Wise is considered one of the best artists working in video games and his music for Diddy Kong Racing lives up to his reputation. Full of infectious melodies and cool instrumentations, Wise's soundtrack uh, captures the playful spirit of the game wonderfully, letting it drive, float, and fly its way into our top ten. Notable standouts include uh, Stardust Alley, Star City, uh, Pirate Lagoon in Treasure Treasure Caves, and Dark Moon Caverns, which are the credits. Uh, how did Jay, you guys feel about the soundtrack from Diddy Kong Racing? I think the best song on it is the character select on the multiplayer. <laughs> like I love, like that song still echoes in my mind randomly throughout the day. Yeah, but it, but but even even at the beginning, like the very first, um, the, the intro to the game when 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 the damn uh, when the damn opening graphics, it's like that. Dun, dun, dun. It is like that whole like okay that that little chopstick kind of playing kind of like gets stuck in your head a little bit, um, but yeah, and then it's like, have you ever noticed this is something else too? It's like at the character select screen, you guys might not know this, but at the character select screen, when you 
click because you know how you have to click on a character and it tells you its name. You know yeah. what I'm saying? Like, 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 I'm Diddy or or I'm Conker or um Banjo. You know how they talk. Um, if you notice, like, whenever you clicked on a certain one, the music, the the tempo changes or the pitch changes or an instrument is introduced. Like, it's like okay, we're gonna tailor this specific music to this specific character that you're picking. Did you get? Did you guys pick up on that? Yes. There's so much like Diddy Kong. So. My my thing with Diddy Kong Racing, hottest take in the world here, people always get mad at me, is that Diddy Kong Racing is the best kart racing game of all time. People always get on to me about it. And you know what? Fuck them. How about that? <laughs> I will physically fight people over this. Hey, hey, it's one of my favorite 64 games of all time. So if I'm... it wasn't for Diddy Kong Racing, Mario Kart wouldn't have evolved into what it is. I could see that, especially with Double Dash, you know, later on, which Double Dash wasn't necessarily flying in, uh, on hovercrafts, but, but definitely... Mario Kart 8 definitely is now. Oh, Del- Mario Kart 8's definitely... They took the formula from Diddy Kong Racing and completely wrapped it around. I mean, when Mario nine when Mario Kart 9 comes out, whenever that is, I don't know if it's going to be this year or next year. Definitely going to be this year or next year. I don't think they will. You don't think they're going to do another one? No, because they keep adding to it. They're building onto it. Okay, so yeah. they're just gonna just keep Mario Eight and just keep on putting out DL, DLC for it, pretty much. I mean, I mean Mario Kart Eight came out what twenty eighteen, maybe? Uh, hold on. Well, Mario Kart Wii was out twenty. That's not Mario Kart Eight, though. I, I understand that, but I'm talking about the difference between Mario. Mario. How Kart... long was Mario Kart Wii between between Mario Eight and Mario Wii, or was there one in between there? M- Mario Kart Mario Eight Kart came 8... out in 2014. 14, yeah, for the Wii U. Okay, and then Mario Kart Eight Deluxe is the same game, but just okay, on... it's the same game, just on different. Okay, Switch. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So yeah. I mean, it came out in 2014 on the Wii U, um, <sighs> and then in 2017 on the Switch. And they've already got DLC planned to the end of 2023. Oh wow! Yeah. So what? With, what, uh, did, what wasn't there a handheld the Mario Kart too? Yeah, Mario Kart DS. Yeah, yeah. Mar- no, 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 no. I'm, I'm talking about Mario Kart DS. Like it was a mobile game. Oh yeah, that thing was garbage. Oh, I'm, uh, I'm just yeah. saying. <laughs> yeah. So you know, in February of, t- of this year. Uh, Nintendo announced the booster course pass uh, for Mario Kart 8, and it adds 48 more tracks. Wow. Yeah. But what did you think of the, uh, what did you guys think of the soundtrack for uh, Diddy Kong? I mean, mean, like I said, I think it's the best kart racing game of all time, and the music does definitely help. Yeah. Uh, Jungle Falls was really good. I thought. Um, I love the boss battles levels. Like the boss battles was just something different. It like it it, it elevated it. Like like I don't like, I don't know how else to describe it. Like especially when you play Whizpig. Like this challenge music is up there too. You know. I'm trying to remember. Like I think the Lagoon one is probably my favorite track song. Right. Uh, but like I said, um, that or the multiplayer level where you had to put the where you're in the volcano and you had to get the eggs to the uh, pterodactyl nest. Hop top, hop top volcano. Yeah, that one was good too. Yeah, yeah. 
And Frosty Village was also another good one too. Frosty Village because Nintendo just does good with snow soundtracks in general, though. It's so crazy. Like the Mario. Like I know we're not talking. I, I, I don't know if this is going to be on the list or whatever because I was. You guys told me you didn't want me to look ahead. Uh, but the Mario Party snow level in Bully Mario Three Chilly Waters that was a really good snow level soundtrack to me. Like that that sounded really festive like it's it's like for whatever reason it's it's always christmasy whenever they do a snow level like i don't know if it's just the generic hey what sounds christmasy oh okay it's a snow level let's make it sound like this you know um i don't know if it's just the way that it is or if it's just hey you know it is what it is but that being said uh let's go roger you got the next one yeah i'll scroll to it uh that went up a little bit. Um, so, uh, next on the list is a um, a franchise that had its highs and lows. <laughs> uh, number seven on the list is Banjo Kazooie, or in Japan, Banjo to Kazooie no Daboken, uh, which I don't know what that translates to besides Banjo and Kazooie. Yeah. Mm. Um. So it was published by Rare, developed by Nintendo, release date June 29th, 1998 in North America, uh, July 17th, 90, 1998 in Europe, and then December 6th, 1998 in Japan. That's the first game on this list where it was released in the States before Japan. Yeah. Yeah. That's weird. Well, Rare is... They're an American they're not, company. No, they're a UK company, um, if I remember correctly. Um, they were well. They no. I think they still are in the UK. Um, they're just owned by Microsoft, technically. Um, but wow, another rare game. Yes, because rare was rare was Nintendo sixty four. Uh, yeah, you're right. Yeah, you're right. You're right, Roger. Yeah. It was a. Uh, it um, it's a British company. Uh, yeah. Yeah, uh, from uh, Twy Cross, uh, Lancaster. Lancaster, yeah. Yeah, Lancaster, yeah. Yeah. I, hey, when it comes to 64, I, I, my, my knowledge on it is so random. <laughs> I have so much deep <laughs> knowledge on Nintendo 64. Uh, but no, Rare is, Rare is fucking great. I mean, they made... Uh, there's so many games. This is just a 64. We can't even talk about the Super Nintendo ones yet. I mean, Donkey Kong Country. Yep. One, two, uh, and three. Yeah. Two yeah. probably is... Two probably, we need to do... I'm, I'm going to find a Nintendo... I want to find a Super Nintendo one, because if uh, Donkey Kong Country 2 soundtrack's not number one, I'm fighting somebody. Uh, no, number two was fucking phenomenal. Go back and li- Go to YouTube and actually listen to that soundtrack. Just the soundtrack. I'm telling you. It's probably the best soundtrack in the Donkey Kong series. Who is drilling outside? What the <laughs> hell is this? <laughs> Oh, they're not drilling. Their car's not starting. Their starter's done. Oof. Mm, I feel them. I was like, that's the sound of a starter not flipping over. Yep. All right, let me get onto this. So, Banjo Kazooie is a story-driven 3D platformer game with a strong collectathon element in the form of jigsaw pieces called Jiggies. Um, and music notes for players to collect across nine large nonlinear levels. Um, I'm trying to remember. Did this Banjo, did Banjo Kazooie come out before Donkey Kong sixty four? Uh, ben- uh or did it come out around the same time? I I feel like Donkey Kong sixty four came out maybe December of ninety eight. 
Well, let's just one of you guys look up. Yeah, Yeah, I'll look it up for you real quick. So uh, Banjo-Kazooie also has a fairly well-developed plot involving the titular honey bear, Banjo, and his red-crested Briegel friend, Kazooie, who lives in Banjo's backpack. The main story involves Banjo and Kazooie rescuing... uh, Banjo and Kazooie's rescue of Banjo's little sister, Tootie, who is kidnapped by the evil, freakly rhyming witch, uh, Gruntilda, who is the try, who is trying, they put is twice and it threw me off, who is trying yeah. to steal Tootie's beauty for herself. Pause. Um, Banjo Kazooie was released in North America on June 29th, 1998. And Donkey Kong 64 was released in North America November 22nd, 1999. So it did come out before. Uh, almost okay. almost a year before. Or, uh, yeah, it came, uh, it did come a out a year before. Yeah. Yeah. Um, I was just wondering because there's levels. They, they, I, I know they had to use, reset, use the same assets on some of them, but there's one level in Banjo Kazooie that I literally feel like all they did was put in Donkey Kong 64 and then just change the color scheme. That's the only reason why I was wondering, but it makes sense to reuse the assets when they're both 3D platform collector games. And they're both um, rare, so... Yeah, that's what I'm saying. They just reused the assets. It makes sense. It saved money, and they were also able to make more assets later on for what they needed. Um, but they also made Dungeon Kong 64 a four-player multiplayer game, too, so that helps out a lot. Right. Um, so Banjo-Kazooie is considered by some to be one of the best games ever made and definitely a fan favorite on Nintendo 64. I, I agree. Um, that love is certainly in part due to its soundtrack created by fellow in-house uh, rare composer Grant Kirkhope, uh, which has a distinctive country bluegrass vibe not seen in a lot of games. Um, sorry, my nose is. Uh, some special touches like having the music change to a different variation when you're close to certain objects or places or switch to a more muffled uh, statico version when you're inside as another layer of immersion that enhances your experience quite a bit while playing. One of the most cohesive N64 soundtracks, uh, Banjo-Kazooie's soundtrack belongs on any top 10 N64 music list on technical innovation alone, with bonus points for having music notes uh, be a part of the game as well. Uh, The standout tracks are Spiral Mountain, Click Clock, woods and treasure trove cove which now that i think about it that rare does a lot of cove centric ones too they do a lot of pirate coves or lagoon style kinds and caverns yeah and always good too yeah um, treasure trove yeah. cove was was probably my favorite on this soundtrack i mean the, the, obviously the whole soundtrack is really good but i think yeah. the, the treasure trove cove was was my personal favorite uh Mine might be off the beaten path, but I like Clanker's Cavern. It had that that dark bass kind of, that that bum bam bam bum 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 bum. You know, it had that kind of like that kind of lulls you in because like you're going through the caverns and, and that point it was at that point in the game. But it's right before you get to uh, the swamp, you gotta go through the cavern in order to get to the swamp and stuff. Um, at that point in the game, but yeah, I, I enjoyed that part of uh, I thought I enjoyed that particular one. Well, I, I like the overall, like it says that it was a country slash bluegrass mix. Yeah, because they used a banjo. Yeah. Spiral Mountain is pretty much all banjo, which much for the most part. Which I love the fact, the entendre play of the name, because they do, they use kazoos also. Yeah. 
So like they they literally put Banjo Kazooie in the soundtrack, which makes it so much better. It's such a great. <laughs> it, it is different that a a game soundtrack is country slash bluegrass without it being a legit like western or I guess just like a pure country like music game or something like that. Yeah. Um, but no, I mean it. it I, I love I love the game. I love the soundtrack. There's nothing really like like Chip said. Treasure Cove was probably one. I don't know between that and Spiral Mountain. Spiral Mountain is really good too. It's just hard for me to say the one and two completely on this one. Which the final battle um, track was also really Some, good. It was good. Yeah. It, it was very is very epic. You know. They they always have great boss fight. Like I can't I can't think of one rare, especially rare game where the final boss uh, song wasn't a banger. Right. I remember in uh, Donkey Kong sixty four uh, when you fight K. Roll and it has that rain in the background two of the soundtrack while you're playing it. Oh yeah, yeah. yeah. And it has that. It's just that. It's that pirate ship soundtrack, and it's just like they're very deep, very, very menacing. Like it's just so good on that whole aspect, but. That one, Banjo Kazooie Conquers. Uh, Bad Fur Day had a really good one. Alder oh, Boss Fight shoot. Song was good. Uh, James Bond was the only. Uh, no, James Bond's. Yeah, it's still up there too. Um, all the Boss Fight ones are sort of from the movie, but they also added like some of their own because they couldn't fit the full sound chip to do like the full orchestral sound when they could. But like. A lot of it is just so good in general from Rare, specific, uh, especially like, oh, Perfect Dark boss fights were really good, too. Yep. Oh, God. I haven't played Perfect Dark in forever, dude. <laughs> it should be on the Game Pass. It is. It is. I just hadn't played it. <laughs> yeah. I'm saving it. <laughs> uh, God, uh, fuck. Perfect Dark was so amazing because it was literally James. It was GoldenEye, but their own. They were able to make it their own game. And just took all the assets yeah. from GoldenEye and put it into their own game. It was so great. Do you ever? Did you guys ever play a game? It was a PS2 game. Uh, it was a. It was kind of similar to Perfect Dark, but it was. How can I describe it? It was like Perfect Dark and Austin Powers mixed together. It was a game called No One Lives Forever. Have you heard of it? Have you heard of it? Was that a James Bond game? That was. It a wasn't James a James Bond, Bond. It wasn't a James Bond game. No One Lives Forever is. Uh, Go, look it up real quick. No one, no, no, or look it up at your own leisure. Yeah, it was called No One Lives Forever. I'm it, was right fe- now. Yeah. it was a fe- it was a female protagonist, um, and it was kind of because it had that like 1970s like Austin Powers style music to it. You know uh, what I mean? Yeah, I do remember this game. Um, it was by, made by Monolith. Yeah, it was. Uh, uh, oh yeah, that was their ripoff of James Bond, uh, the James Bond series. Yeah wasn't i was okay with the game i played it until i got to a certain point and then it would not let me get past a certain point so i just said fuck it and i just quit playing it so real quick for people to like for people that are like oh what's what's monolith like why do i say that game like people should know what it is they were the people that made the uh shadow of series so shadow of mordor shadow of war uh they made the fear series gotham cities imposters uh they also made the um Tron 2.0 game on the PC, uh, Condemned series. So they've been around for a while. Yeah. I feel like they made another game. Oh, they're part uh, of Warner Brothers. 
Umbrella now, so they help on Warner Brother games. Didn't they also work on Nam- uh, Namco versus Capcom? Or was that or was that no. a different one? Mo- that's I, Mon- Namco. I mean, I'm looking. It says Monolith Softwares Incorporated is a Japanese video game developmental studio. Originally yeah, owned one. by this is originally owned by Namco until yeah, it was bought out. Said, it was bought out by Nintendo in 2007. That's why I thought it was kind of yeah. the same thing. Um. Yeah, because Mon- no Monolith. Um, it's Monolith? Technically, they're technically called they're called Lilith Studios, but they're Monolith uh, Industries. Monolith or, Industries. Yeah. Okay, because I see another one called Monolith Productions Inc., which is a video game developer out of Kirkland, Washington, a subsidiary of Warner Brothers. Okay. Yeah, yeah, because they're owned by Warner Brothers now. Yeah. Um, the la- the last game that they came out with was Middle Earth: Shadows of War, and they have a Wonder Woman game to be determined coming out. That's their, soon. That's their own, but they help out with product development of uh, other Warner Brother games. Yeah. Okay. Um. Because I remember the no, never mind. I'm getting backwards. I was about to say because Shadow War was by Rocksteady, but no, the guy who was the lead for Rocksteady left to go to Monolith to help out with Shadow of War. And that's why Shadow the same, War uh, wasn't Rocksteady, was it? No, the guy who was the lead of Rocksteady oh, left okay. and and developed the combat system. That's why it's, the, it's got the same sort of combat system, right? So, but you learn something new every day here on Movement Radio. I learned a lot. When it comes to video games, I got knowledge all fucking day. I'll do this all day. Right. Especially with uh old, like I said, old Nintendo 64 ones. <laughs> right. By the way, um, so I don't have to go all the way through uh back through the uh the the chat. Can you resend me the uh the doc about uh the Def Jam series, if you don't mind? Yeah. I was fine. gonna ask you earlier, I just forgot to ask Oh, you. that's fine, yeah, I can definitely do that. I appreciate that. Because I follow that channel, I love that channel. Yeah. I love that series, like it. Me just send me send me the link to the the channel. Send me the link to the uh, channel. Yeah. Well, I'll, when, just, I, I'll, I'll send you the, the video channel. and you can just subscribe from the video. That, that way you can just watch the video first. That works for me. All right, let's move on to the next one. Chip, I think think it's you, Bubba. It is. Next up, we're going to talk about Bomberman sixty four, the second classic. attack. Yeah. Classic. Uh, this was uh, published by Hudson Soft and developed by Hudson Soft in Japan and Vatical Entertainment in America. Uh, it was released December 3rd, 1999 in Japan and May 28th, the, uh, 2000 in North America. Uh, so the follow-up to Bomberman 64, Bomberman 64, The Second Attack, is an action game with puzzle elements compared to the first game the second attack has improvements uh, pretty much all around with uh, improved graphics and a more developed story and gameplay that focuses a lot less on the finicky bouncing on bombs mechanic. Uh, Bomberman also has access to seven different types of elemental bombs that you unlock after defeating the boss's Mega Man style. Uh, These different bombs let Bomberman interact with the environment, allowing things like freezing water to walk over it with ice bombs, pushing objects, and Bomberman with the wind bombs, etc. While, uh, which really add to the experience. Bomberman 64, the second attack, also introduces an adorable sidekick character named Palmy. 
that helps out in battles a little bit and interestingly changes into a wide variety of new forms which fed different types of food uh, or when fed different types of food you can find throughout the levels. Bomberman is a very long-running series that has had installments on nearly every console ever created with over 70 games. While the music of the series hasn't always been a big focus of the games, there have been many with excellent soundtracks. Bomberman 64 The Second Attack has one of the strongest soundtracks with especially interesting instrumentation and an overall chill and smooth electronic sound that fits each stage and story moment with panache. A worthy soundtrack to this ambitious story-focused entry into a series mostly known for its multiplayer that really sets itself apart. It's one of our favorites on the Nintendo 64. Um, Standout tracks are uh, Ocean Planet Aquanet, Lilith's theme, and Game Planet Starlight. Yes. Um... So I lo- I loved Bomberman series is great, um, but I'm also a big fan of Hudson's game development back in the day. Um, they made the yeah, they, War they were good. Yeah, um, which unfortunately fucking Konami now owns Bloody Roar, so it'll never be made again. Um, this one I like the soundtrack a lot. It is memorable. I don't remember the tracks by heart because I mean it doesn't play that. I mean, like I said, mostly most people that play Bomberman because it's a multiplayer, so which is true. Right. I played it a lot for the multiplayer. Um, so I wouldn't remember the tracks just by like their levels or anything like that. Um, but um, it's, a, it's really good. It does have a good electronic sound to it. I just also think being six on this list is kind of high in my opinion, though. Uh, Stronger high. than Mario Kart and Banjo-Kazooie. And Diddy Kong Racing. Yeah, uh, I, I, I just <laughs> like I like I like some of the songs that are on it. Um, they use the wrong um, video picture. game picture for it. Yeah, they, they use the ri- original Bomberman sixty four cover. For yeah, them. not Bomberman sixty four. Not Bomberman sixty four. Second Attack. Yeah. Yeah. Um, they. I mean, I'm like I'm scrolling through some of the songs that I can remember. Um, they did have one called a uh, Warship Noah, which sounded like something from a Shinobi video game. I mean, it is uh, Hudson, so they may have done some ninja soundtracking. <laughs> they, they probably did, man. But yeah, a lot of it was very like it made me think Shinobi, Ninja Gaiden. Like that's what that's the first thing I thought of when I heard the, some of the music on here. I was like, yeah, you know. But you know, even with Bomberman um, for the Wii that came out uh, just a while ago, it was kind of similar to this, but it was a little bit more modern, you know. Um, they recently really they recently made another one I think on the Xbox One and PS4 and the Switch I believe um the New Days are in it. Well, Xavier Woods is in it. I thought it was a full New Day. It's just Xavier Woods unless they came out with another brand new one soon. Uh, it's Bomberman R. Yeah. Um, and uh, it's it's uh, it's online. Um, yep, Super Bomberman R online. Yep. Uh, the uh, it's a uh, Konami. Uh, they use the Unity engine. Um, yeah, which is why. So, I mean, is Unity is very basic engine, which I mean makes sense for a Bomberman game, right? Um, yeah, it was it was it was released in 2018. Yeah, um, I mean that's the most recent one. <laughs> yeah, 
Like I said, uh, Konami doesn't really put out games like that no more. They, yeah, uh, especially from uh, Hudson Games either. Yeah, the only the the only um because the, 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 you could do the Bomberman's obviously and a couple things, uh, but you can do um Vic Viper from uh, Gratis, Simon Belmont from Castlevania, and the Pyramid Head from uh, Silent Hill Two. Yep, um, all, you can, all their original characters. Ratchet from Ratchet and Clank, Master Chief from Halo. Uh, Solid Snake, Naked Snake, and Raiden from the Metal Gear series, and WWE professional wrestler Xavier Woods is a playable character. Yep. So it's just Xavier Woods, not the whole New Day. I thought it was the whole New Day, but um, so Xavier the, Woods is also in Fall Guys. Yeah, yes, along with the Undertaker and Oscar. But um, so you can only play Master Chief on the Xbox version, obviously, and you can only play um, fuck, uh, who was the other one that was just PlayStation? Ratchet. Uh, Ratchet, yeah, yeah. Hey, you can also play Peabody from Portal Two on the Windows version. Yeah, which is weird. That is weird. Um, and then, like I said, all those other characters are all um, Konami characters. Konami uh, OG characters, so it makes sense. Yeah. So yeah, it makes uh, sense. So, nevertheless, it was an interesting soundtrack. Yeah. Uh, I just don't think, like I said, I don't think it'd be in sick over, not over the I, other I, rare games. No, <laughs> it could have been number ten. I, I don't know what's on the rest of the list, but as of right now, I don't know that I would have this on the top ten. I I probably would have to go through and listen to the soundtrack as a whole again for yeah. a full um I, I a think, true statement. But yeah. Yeah, yeah, I think because I can't vividly remember uh, the soundtrack by like name, yeah, much, or track that, list by name, yeah. That's what's holding me back on it. Um, so, but like but, we said, it's probably because we probably play it just as a multiplayer, not like I I can speak for myself saying I mainly did it for the multiplayer, not really go through the solo like that. So I don't really remember a lot of it to begin yeah. with. I, I, I think I only played. Rip. Yeah, I think I only played the multiplayer as well. Yeah. Um. So on to who's next? Is it me? I'm next. Uh, okay. No, I'm next. Uh, next we have. There you go. Wow. Oh, hand. This one's already at. This was at five. Okay. Cool. Super Mario 64, published by Nintendo, developed by Nintendo, released June 23rd, 1996 in Japan, September 29th. Uh. Excuse me, 1996 in North America, March 1st, 1997 in Europe. Now, Mario Party 64 is an absolutely groundbreaking 3D platforming title that has been immensely influential on the super popular Mario series as well as 3D video games in general. With its tight analog controls and dynamic camera system that was extremely impressive for the time, Good level design and really cool 3D hub world in the form of Peach's Castle, Super Mario 64 set the standard for 3D platformers. As the best-selling game of the N64 that remains popular to this day, Super Mario 64 holds a special place in the hearts of many gamers. The soundtrack was composed of the legendary Kojin Kodo, who is the main composer for the Mario games, as well as other Nintendo series such as Legend of Zelda and Star Fox. Mario 64's official soundtrack isn't the most extensive 
on our list, nor is it particularly technically interesting like Banjo-Kazooie's is. But it is more than it, than it, it, well, let me start over. I can't talk tonight. But it more than makes up for it with its incredible catchy melodies and fun and varied instrument choices. Incorporating remixes and in, re interpre what the fuck sorry reinterpretations thank you of the classic mario medleys along with a completely new material the music of super mario 64 has an incredible sense of nostalgia especially for longtime fans of the series that make this soundtrack just a cla- just as classic as the game itself standout tracks include uh babam uh battlefield the main title dare dare docks and dire, the credit did i not say that you said dare dare oh dire dire you know what i meant dire dire docks and and staff role or the credits at the end of the game um yeah i like i said i love mario 64 um it's not the greatest mario game of all time but we can debate that for another uh video of uh, another uh, episode um but yeah I, I like this game the soundtrack what how would you guys feel about it uh the iceland uh the sherbert land version of this one is still probably yeah it's probably still my favorite one on this like i said we said it before they know how to do ice levels they know how to do this christmas like snow levels and stuff yeah um that that one's probably the most memorable and only probably also the most memorable moment where you could throw that little piece of shit penguin off the fucking level for being a Fuck him. I mean, don't sugarcoat it. Tell us how you really fuck, feel. Fuck that baby penguin. Uh, Throw that motherfucker <laughs> off the cliff every time. Every time. Fuck him. That bullshit snow slide piece of shit. That ain't no kid's game. That's fucking, that's the uh, original Demon Souls right there. I, I I think I think my favorite is when you get uh, Metal Mario. That's a good one, too. Um, obviously, the star... Uh, melody yeah. but that's just a, it's just a remix like i said it did so here's my thing since it does use old uh since it does remix it's not a full original soundtrack right uh i mean i wouldn't think so but it has i mean it does have new music but it's not a full original because it's taken it's just remixing songs on some on some of them not full not everything's a remix they didn't make up some new bangers but right i mean uh, does that sort of give it a uh asterisk i would put an asterisk because it, it is a lot of remixed um and reinterpretations of like other mario games yeah which is i mean like i i, I get it and i understand because it's 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 mario and you want to have those classic mario themes in there um so yeah yeah i mean there were some there were some that were very unique um like you can like you can tell like okay like the haunted house level was very much different but then you have the cave dungeon which was used for um world number eight I believe world number seven. Yeah, seven or eight. Yeah, yeah. But it had that that you know, ding 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 ding. You know, kind of like yeah. how it was. You know, like that. Ding 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 ding. You know, so it, that I consider that a bit of a remix because it it paid an homage to the previous um, 
games. I, I wouldn't even say homage because it's pretty much the same level in but in this game. And so they just they just you know updated a little bit for the updated version of this game. Right. And then which they they put like a little bit more theatrical sounding instruments and stuff whenever they did the whole like when you get when like when you for example like instead of getting the star like you would in the game where it would be like that whenever you get the hats whether it be the invisible hat the uh the metal hat or the uh, wing hat it basically does the same theme only like with the metal one it sounds very more industrial with the um with the invisible one it sounds kind of melodic and then when you get the hat it sounds more like apparatic you know what i mean um it, 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 it's 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 pretty much the same thing. They're just they're changing the style in which you hear it. So it's remixing at the same time. It pays homage to the past, but at the same time, it's like you don't want to go you don't want to go too far out there to where it's like something new, and then it's like, well, this has nothing to do with the original. You know what I mean? Like you at least want to pay somewhat homage to the previous game in some way shape or form you know because every mario has kind of the same soundtrack in a sense you know like you could tell like if you heard some random like, like well, what does that sound like that sounds like a mario game well it's from a mario game well that's what i figured because it sounds they all sound very similar you know what i mean yeah i'm not saying that like it's bad or anything but i say should it get an asterisk because these are technically original soundtracks and they don't use original tracks they remix the track so they mix it I guess that an original version of that one, but it's, it's literally just a remix. I mean, pretty much, pretty much chopped and screwed. Pretty much, <laughs> it's I chopped mean, and screwed. Yeah. The, got the, the remix. It got the, it got the Diddy treatment. It got the Diddy treatment. Yeah. Every step out. T- All right. Um. But I mean, I, I I like it. I I think it's. I mean, it it brought the older sound to the new generation of the, on the 64 and because they could do more with the sound due to the, uh, due to the, uh, the compatibility that the system had that it could better chipset, Yeah. Yeah. It was, they were able to make those changes to make it sound different. You know what I mean? Yeah. But so. it, it's still, it's still not an original song though. No, I agree with that. Yeah. Yeah. That's what I'm saying. It's like, should we uh, should we give this an asterisk? I mean, that's what I was, that's what I was asking. The question was like, should we put an asterisk on there? Uh, it 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 doesn't bother me enough to put an asterisk next to it. To be honest with you, it doesn't bother me enough. I mean, if if you feel the need to put an asterisk next to it, I think it's it's open for interpretation, in my opinion. Like, it it don't bother me enough to say, you know, put an asterisk next to that because it's not original, original, you know, um, but. No, it, it don't bother me. Uh, I'm giving it the asterisk. Okay. <laughs> okay. I, I I like the soundtrack, but if we're talking original soundtrack, it doesn't fit the category. Well, uh, my thing is that I, I already scrolled down to look at the next one, so I'm reading it, and it, I, you'll probably give it an asterisk, too. Okay. Well, let's move on to the next one on the list. Go ahead, Bob. Legend is my favorite Legend of Zelda game. We already had a big Zelda conversation. We're not even a debate because we all agreed, you know, the 3D, the origin, the original, not even original, the, the 3D Zelda games have been probably the best Zelda games. Yes. To date. Um, and 
Well, and, disagree and on this is, one, one, two, and three or four order, but I mean, we yeah. all love the game, so. <laughs> right. I, I would put this at 1A, 1B. Yeah. I mean, they both, like we talked about in the last episode. So, yeah, you guys can go check that out, the Legend of Zelda Ocarina episode, because um, we did a lot of discussions about the games to begin with. <laughs> um, <laughs> right. <laughs> but uh, Legend of Zelda Majora's Mask. Um, publisher was Nintendo uh, EAD, which their Eastern District, I guess. Um, I can't remember exactly which subdivision of Nintendo it is, but it's the Nintendo. Um, developer Nintendo and publisher release date April 27th, 2000 in Japan, October 26th, 2000 in North America, and November 17th, 2000 in Europe. Um, so The Legend of Zelda's Majora's Mask is the second entry in the Legendary series on the Nintendo 64 that is best remembered for its darker tone compared to most of the other Zelda games. Uh, unique time travel mechanic, multiple character forms, and focus on numerous well-developed side quests. Love the game. Um, set in the world of Termina, uh, Majora's Mask... Oh, it's about to rain badly here. I hear the storm coming. Um, Majora's Mask follows our hero Link as he attempts to save the world from impending doom in the form of the terrifying moon that will crash into the world in three days. This foreboding sense of dread, along with the bizarre and twisted world, really makes Majora's Mask an incredibly, an incredible entry in the series and one of the most memorable games of all time. Our boy Koji Kondo once again assumes his role as the main composer from Majora's Mask, along with a few tracks by uh, Toro Minigishi, uh, which I believe he actually composed the Zora Band song in this game. Um, yeah. So uh, Toru later, who later worked on some other Zelda titles, such as Wind Waker and Phantom Hourglass, round of applause for you for being the god too. Um, like the strange world it is set in, the uh, soundtrack of Majora's Mask has a bit of an unusual slant to it. Kondo himself describes it as having an exotic Chinese opera sound, um, similar to, gosh, the thunder's shaking this room um similar to super mario 64 majora's mask reuses and remixes earlier tracks most notably most notably from its immediate predecessor along with a bevy of original music majora's mask original soundtrack is extensive hauntingly beautiful and also often haunting and perfectly matches the feeling of the game playing music itself is a major gameplay component wait playing music itself is a major gameplay component which just adds extra zest to the rich experience that is Majora's Mask. Time may be cruel and fearful, but not to this game or soundtrack. Um, standout songs is um, Song of Healing, the Deku Palace theme, the Stone Tower Temple, every Zora song that's played in this one, uh, the swamp temple or the grass temple whatever you guys want to call it the forest temple yeah Deku temple um shit god there's so many the the grow songs the the frog ones uh every every song i, I mean <laughs> yeah I, I can't think of a bad one that, that's like, the thing yeah it, like i was trying to like name all of them like even even like the weird little so remember when you're doing the um side quest for the uh uh the fox mask where you have to go into the 
hole in the wall after the dude kid like the, the skipping dude steals the mask and you go into his like his little lair and you have to get the mask that's on that conveyor belt. And a little anticipation song for that one is even a banger. Like it's just a yes. random side song that is like only clipped for that one section, but it's so good too. Um the lullaby, uh shit, like just every like uh, it's just such a good sound. Like when you're speaking to uh, the hand the toilet, it has that weird little uh like tuba song and it's still a good one it's just there's just so much the the soundtrack is amazing but it does repeat some songs from the other game like the song is healing i believe it's Saria's song um yeah it is a slower tempo right yeah yeah see but but then you got songs like like what you talked about in the in in the uh in the blurb there the stone tower temple song is like beautiful song and the the inverted version of that song is just as impactful as well. It's, yeah, it's got that industrial mechanical sound to it. That, it's see, just see, so trippy. I, li- I like the. I do. Too. <laughs> please forgive me, people who are listening, but I'm weird like that. I like the industrial sounding music. You know what I mean? It just gives it a, it gives it a different feel to it. Not necessarily like a hard rock edge, but just something different. You know what I mean? And the calling of four giants is also an epic. Yes. Like that that epic. That you slow, know, like yes, dun, dun. like just that. Gosh, and the it's battle, just, and the battle, uh, with the Majora's Mask battle, that whole and how it like ramps up every single one as you go through. Like it gets faster and more yes. frantic. Like it, yes. it gives you more of a sense of urgency as you play it. Like hey, that, that's why I was said the, the the god Koji Kondo over here, him and Toru making bangers for us for no reason. We didn't deserve it, but we got it anyways. Right. But also, but also, <laughs> even early in the game, like when you hear the clock tower theme for the very first time, it's got a bit of a disturbing chime. Yeah, as well, little, you know what I mean. It has it has an industrial sound when the clock is actually moving. It has a yes, clunk, but it has the ding, 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 ding behind ding. it. Yes, that, um, when you put the uh, the Deku Goron and Zora mask on for the for- first time, it has that eerie, like high pitched crystal noise, but it also has like a wind spell to it. Like just adding like that element to like you're changing forms. It's very dire because your body's changing form, so it's very dramatic. And but it's all sudden. Like it all everything makes sense of why it's in there. Like um, remember when you go into the uh, not the shop, but the game, the mini game one where you have like the two lovers that are dancing in the middle. It has that thing. Like it has that, it has that happy, like that happy, like, Oh, I'm in a convenience. I'm in a, I'm in a game room. Like I'm happy. I'm like in the arcade. This is fun. This is going to be fun. But on the counter of that, but when you go to the, when you go to magic hags potion shop and it has that, it has that. Yes. It's, 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 it's operatic at the same time because it has that, that, um, it's not a violin. It's like a, a cello, a cello, no cello. It's like oh, a cello yeah. sound. You know what I mean? Because yeah. it's very, very deep. You know, and you have that other. I was like, golly, like it, for, it, it might just be me thinking this, and please forgive me if it sounds stupid. But does that music doesn't it just emerge em, emerges you into the game at that point where it's like I feel like I'm here in, in the moment with these characters. Yeah, you know I what mean, I mean, that's the that's beauty. what's so good about yeah, that. Exactly. 
And like, I love it. it. And um, oh, shoot, what was the other one I was going to say? There was that um, the song that you play, uh, the song that the the Zora lead singer plays when she gets her voice back. That little, just how. It's like a ballad. It's a ballad, obviously, but it's like it's a love ballad because she finds out that you know you are her dead lover, um, and everything. And it's just so somber. She was pregnant. She had the kids in it. Like the kids were born and everything, but she still continues on because she knew that that's what he wanted for her and everything. It's just like the the deep meaning, but how beautiful that song is at that moment adds so much more to it. Yeah, and then the song at the very end when the moon finally is destroyed and everything and uh, the giants are departing at that point and the whole thing is like this big, you hear the trumpet sounding and everything and it's like yes. so like ah, like it's like, like like right there at the end of like an epic, you know, movie or something. It's like, ugh, you know, it, it just, it, it does something, you know what I mean? And then when you're on the farm um, and has the aliens invasion, yeah, that's the that is out of how weird that game is. The weirdest thing was the alien invasion <laughs> part. Like it, it, yeah. it still to me like makes no sense why it had a sudden alien invasion. But the alien, like the into like the weird sci-fi trippy like old eighties style aesthetic to it was like the random noises here and there. But as they would get closer and more and more appear, it gets like. A faster pace and more frantic also like it gave you a sense like hey you gotta get this shit moving you gotta get these guys out of here right and then they also switched it up with they threw a little bit of jazz in there i don't know if you paid attention yeah, or not they have the jazz club and everything uh the indigo song yeah uh the indigo go song yeah that one was that's what i'm talking about the ballad the ballad the, the, indi- the, the, yeah, yeah, the, the, the yeah the indigo song was right before the ballad the, the ballad of the wind fish yeah, what I'm that's saying, what like, the, about? Yeah. The, yeah, but in general, the Zoras, uh, they're a jazz band, that's what I'm saying. Right. Yeah, which is, which is also weird that she does a love ballad and it's not a jazz song. Oh, also, when you do the shred session with the uh, Bonefish, gosh, <laughs> yeah, <clears throat> even the, even the Deku, they use brass instruments and uh, the Goron with percussion. It's like it just the Goron beats were so good because it was like it was old, uh, they're not bongos, what are they called? Or they bongos. Toms, yes. It was just Toms. Like, it was just an old Tom over and over again. And then when you finally just like start playing more and more and like just the way you play different songs with it, it like I don't know, it's just the infusion of like every single species had their own specific um genre oh, and, and specific type of music like instrument in general. Deku was bl- uh brass pipes, uh the Goron, like we said, I had the uh uh, Tom's and the Zora was technically electric guitar, <laughs> but it wasn't guitar at the same time. Right. I know what you're talking about. I don't know. It's just, it's like the game, the, the focus of music, like, like Ocarina of Time. Yes. It did some focus on music. I mean, some of the songs would help you here and there, but this game was like the first time they, like they went heavy into the music is the game sort of like Wind Waker did that later on too. Like it was, the emphasis of the music is the game. I don't. I don't think that the music is the game. I think that the music. How can I say this without it sounding stupid? The music allowed the game to flourish, yes. as opposed to it being because, like, yeah, I mean, amazing soundtrack, but the soundtrack elevated the game to where you wanted to know more about the story as you play the story along. Because, I mean. How I mean, how realistic is it if you're 
in a very serious, you know, battle and you're hearing somebody playing a fucking, you know, keyboard as opposed to like you're hearing trumpets and you're hearing violins and you're hearing these loud drums. You know what I mean? Like it, it, there's a certain type of music that goes with a certain type of feeling or a certain type of, you know, you understand what I'm saying, right? Yeah, but I'm Sorry. saying like, but I'm saying the music is the game is like specific <clears throat> songs advance the game. Mm-hmm. Like you, you have to, you had to instead of like, yeah, you had to find inventory items, but you also had to find music to advance the game. Yeah, right. So the so the music was the game at that point. Well, and that's the way it was in the right. Ocarina of Time as well, because you had to find certain songs to play on the ocarina to yes. to do certain things yeah but like that one was just like all ocarina music that's what what i probably should have said like the the diversity of the music like finding the music for each specific thing more oh yeah or less. right because i mean gosh that that game that, that soundtracks uh like every now and then like there's very few game soundtracks that i just like have saved as a playlist that's one of the ones uh donkey kong country 2 uh definitely <laughs> gonna do that one that, that that one uh sticker bush fucking that one just my that's my jam um did you guys ever go ahead go ahead i'll oh, oh, say did you guys ever do this um you, maybe i again this was me so take it with a grain of salt um i used to have one of them old like old school cd players that had the cassette tape on one side the cd player on the other side you hit the button and it pops both of them up you put a cassette in or you put a cd in or whatever <clears throat> excuse me um did you guys ever take your video game uh, CDs and put them in that CD player to see if you can play songs? Uh, I never got the actual CD soundtracks for them. No, I'm talking about not just for NC. I'm not talking about for N64 games, like any CD game that you've had. No, did you I ever never, do that? I didn't no. start getting that until I started buying my own games in the 360 era. Oh, okay. Yeah. All right. Yeah, no, I never I, did that either. Got to remember yeah, when the Nintendo 60 when Nintendo 64 came out, I was four years old. I, I, I forget how old you, you are. I apologize. <laughs> but, yeah. But no, like, I, was, I, I would, I I would was say like the PlayStation. Afraid, go ahead, Chip. No, I was always afraid that it would mess my discs up. <laughs> it never, trust me, it doesn't mess it. It, it doesn't mess the discs, the discs up, trust me. Um, but yeah, I, you could put it in there. The first one I did it to was, there was a, a Sega CD and it was Spider-Man versus Kingpin was the very first one that I tried it on. You put the CD in and the first, the, the track number one, you, it was never anything on track one. It was, it was just a, it was just blank. You go to track two, and that's when you can hear pretty much the whole soundtrack until you get to the very last uh, track. And then it says, this disc is for Sega CD only. Please stop. You will damage your, C- you will damage your uh, uh, CD player or something along those lines. You know, so it's like, oh, maybe I shouldn't do this, you know. But none of the, none of the, uh, video games I ever put in there ever got damaged or messed up. So I was okay, you know? Um, but you know, maybe that's just me. Let's, uh, let's move on though, to the next one on the list. Uh, you got it, chip. Uh, yeah, <laughs> I do now. I, I was gone in a, a daze there for a minute on. Yeah. Did I bore you? <laughs> no, no, no. He's, I mean, he was talking about, he was like, Oh, the rest of us, we were going deep into the playlist. Like, I mean, yeah. the soundtrack and it's just, but I had to remember Koji Kondo is so good. More, more to talk <laughs> more about. stuff to do. But no, I, like it, it makes sense how why the 
I need to. We need to. While you do this, I'm gonna find out who did who was the composer for uh, Twilight Princess because I wonder if it's somebody that worked with Kanji or Toru. All um, right, as uh, well. I'll I'll start on the next uh, entry while you look that up. Next, we're gonna talk about Kirby sixty four, the Crystal Shards. Uh, now, this was published by HAL Laboratory and developed by Nintendo, of course. <clears throat> uh, it was released March 24th, 2000 in Japan, June 26, 2000 in North America, and June 22nd, 2001 in um, the EU. Mm. Real quick, I got a... Uh, so, the composer for Twilight Princess was actually Toru himself. Oh, wow. Well, according yeah. to this on this on this fandom Zeldapedia page, the score for Twilight Princess was composed by Toro, also Asuka Ota and Kojo Kodo. It was a it was a it was a collaboration of all three of them. Well, he was the main composer, and he were uh, assistant composers, I guess would be the way to say it. Yeah, I guess so. I mean, to, I mean, yeah. If Toro was the was the main one, Asuka and uh, Kojo was probably the. Uh, Maybe. Oh, Toro does the Splatoon music too. Yeah. Oh, really? I did not know that one. And Super Mario Makers. Ah. And he's the voice for Petey Piranha and Mario Party Superstars. There you oh. go. Hmm. Okay. Dude's, dude's, dude's a, hey, one of the gods right there. <laughs> you learn something new every day. Man, it's just. Music is. The music is. Yeah, go ahead. <laughs> All right, so this beloved Kirby game was the first to use 3D graphics, although the gameplay itself is 2D. Uh, and it also introduced some new characters and most notably an incredibly unique copyability combiner system that lets the players mix and match many of Kirby's signature powers into new ones. This system added a great variety to the gameplay and made this entry in the series feel quite different compared to the previous and future games because of it while still capturing the core mechanics that make Kirby games fun. This unique gimmick also largely made up for the game's relatively short length and small number of levels. It was short. It was. Yeah, well, Kirby games aren't really long. Well, until probably the GameCube era, they weren't really. No, because even the GameCube was a short. Probably the, the I Wii. I don't think they're really meant to be long games. No, they're they're cute. Uh, I mean, they're true cute te- uh, kid platform games. Like, they're really yeah. easy. Mechanically wise, they're pretty easy. But um, from the Wii on, like, Epic Yard... Uh, Epic Yarn was Kurt with not Kirby. Yeah, it was. Uh, from I think from Epic Yarn on, they actually became more uh, not mature. I guess more advanced would be the better way to say it. Yeah. Uh, well, Kirby and the Law in the Forgotten Land um, is uh, supposedly a pretty good sized uh, game. Is that the um, newest one that just came out? It is. Okay. Yeah, um, it is. It's, they it's said. Yeah, if you play, if you play from, which I guess maybe not that long, because if you play from uh, beginning to end, it it takes you roughly four and a half hours without stopping to complete to complete the game. I think that's shorter than Epic Yarn, though. Yeah, I think it is, too. But Kirby games are definitely not meant to be... 
super long. Yeah, super yeah. long. Yeah. Yeah. If I'm looking at it correctly. <clears throat> While you're looking at that, I'm going to finish the blurb. Go ahead. Uh, uh, Kirby 64, The Crystal Shards, also has one of the best soundtracks on the Nintendo 64. The music of Kirby has always been an important part of the experience with its distinctive bouncy Argapegos, uh, cute, insanely catchy melodies, and frequent remixes and combinations of older tracks into new forms. Kirby 64 is no exception. Uh, the musical duo of uh, Jun Ishikawa and Hirokazuwa Ando, who have who have been the main composers for the Kirby series since the very beginning, once again take the helm to produce a beautiful variety of tunes for your listening pleasure. With its mix of melodies, old and new, and distinctive, decidedly N64 instrumentation, this soundtrack is truly a star of both the Kirby series and the Nintendo 64 library. Uh, standout tracks that they list are Zero Two, The Factory Investigation, and Aqua Star, which was honestly probably my favorite. Aqua Star was yep. really good. Aquastar was good too. Uh, to answer the question from earlier about Epic Yarn, uh, if you start the game and you play all the way through with no breaks, it will take you seven hours and thirty-two minutes. Um, so Kirby the Forgotten Land, they saying is the longest because of the deals, because uh, it actually takes apparently ten and a half hours to play the main objective completely. Now, oh wow, oh, okay. Um, but to one hundred percent, it's only twenty-five hours, so it's, it is the longest one. And Epic Yarn is now technically the second longest one. Okay. Yeah, because there's a video here, um, uh, Kirby Epic Yarn, full game, 100% playthrough, 7 hours, 55 minutes, 25 seconds. I wouldn't go by that. I would go I, by, I would no. look it up on. They're Unless probably, it's just heavily edited, probably. <laughs> it, 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 what they're probably doing is just going through the game and not actually, like, they're just kind of almost speed running through the game, like, just doing the level and not trying to get all the objectives whereas like someone like one of us would try to get all the objectives yeah i i, I got this one uh channel that i'm subscribed to on youtube it's called zach scott games and he um plays a lot of video games and does a whole lot of channel but he's got like series upon series of series of different uh ones like he did a mario uh odyssey one and his mario odyssey was like 35 videos and all those videos were approximately 55 minutes to an hour and a half of nothing but that you know um mostly zelda uh mario he has for his uh yeah he only has six videos for kirby forgotten land uh but each video is like two and a half to three hours long so yeah but anyway but yeah but what you were saying a minute ago chip the uh the soundtrack to uh the game which i've went back recently and played um kirby the crystal shards um kirby 64 uh they just put it on uh the switch in the nintendo 64 collection um then playing that for a little bit 
it's weird playing it on the switch you know because you're so used to playing it on the uh 64 controller um but i don't know i prefer the switch uh i mean i prefer it too i'm just saying it feels weird like (laughs) you know like you, you, when you play a certain, there's certain games you play with the 64, and then when you play them with a different controller, it's like this. This is you know, kind of like whenever you played the, the the wrestling. Most of the time, you played it with um, to where you were using the joystick, but then when you played like a WWF or a wrestling game, you had to switch over and actually use the D pad, and the joystick was only used to do your finisher and taunt, and that was it. <laughs> you know, so. But anyway, what'd you think of it, Raj? I love Kirby games are super underrated as a mainstay. Yes, they they totally are very uh, successful, but people don't always talk in them the same breath as they do Mario or Zelda games in general. Uh, right. But I mean, they're they're so good. And it's probably because of how short they actually are and how yeah. they don't really get very deep into like some subject matter, like some darkness or stuff like that, like Zelda does or Mario just in general, like how diverse the platform can be. But I mean, I, I don't know. Kirby always been fun to me. I love Kirby games. Do you think that's by design? Yeah, it's more, it's definitely targeted like directly for children. Like right. th- that is a child mascot. Like Mario and Link and whatnot. You can see they're more teen slash young adult overall. Right. Yeah. Which uh, really for, I mean, for, for the Zelda games, because we had talked about it last week on the Ocarina of Time episode. It's like, you know, we grew up with Link in a sense. Because the first three Zelda games, let's be honest, they weren't really that dark. It didn't really... But even in, even in Link to the Past, it is it gets somewhat into that grayish area. But then it wasn't until Ocarina of Time, and especially in Majora's Mask, where things just got just dark and it didn't get really dark till twilight princess like i think would you say twilight princess is probably the darkest one or would you still say majora's mask is number one in terms of darkness probably twilight princess um yeah twilight princess because it it definitely talks about death a lot more or yeah the the realm of the shadow realm technically or the death realm whatever yeah Um, hey kids here's death you know, I, mean, I don't know. Majora, Majora's Mask sort of hints at it here and there, but it doesn't actually. I mean, because you you turn into the dead Zora. Technically, right. everyone you every everyone you turn into is a dead character, except for the Deku, I believe. Right. Uh, uh, Drown. I, I think you're right. <laughs> but because the, the the Goron you turn into is the one that's freezing out in the in the cold. Um. And Azura, obviously, you find him dead on the beach and turn it to him. Um, the Deku you were turned into, so I don't know for sure if you were. No, you're that guy's son. You're the... He thinks you're his son. Right. Uh, the, the prince. So you may actually be a dead character, too. Because uh, uh, Deku, uh, the Skull Kid, turned you into him, and he might have been after he got the mask and was being possessed. I never actually really looked into it that way, uh, as in deep into that um so yeah you may actually be three dead characters um so yeah that's i mean that's pretty dark but i don't think it's as dark as of the overall thematic uh uh twilight princess right all righty well that being said let's move on to the very next one on the list um 
Wow, another game that's really overrated. Uh, I'm sorry, underrated. Why did I say overrated? I'm sorry. Wow. Underrated. Like, damn. Well, I was like, shot. Yeah, damn. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> no, you're, you're good. You're good. <laughs> I shocked myself by saying that. Oh, my goodness. Oh, slap yourself, Talon. Shit. Now, Paper Mario, in parentheses, it says the Mario story. Now, this was developed by Intelligent Systems, developed by Nintendo, uh, released on August 11th, 2000 in Japan, uh, February 5th, 2001 in North America, and October 5th, 2001 and yeah before i read the blurb let me ask you guys a question and y'all might know this answer more than i do why are the why are the dates so like far apart like so japan gets the original one they get to do localization in english that's why north america is later and then um uh european tvs are made with the pal they're, they're the pal uh instead of ours which is uh ctr or CRT, whatever it's called. So it's and different, that, yeah. Different so frame, dif- different frames per second, pretty much. Well, or yeah, different. The TVs are made like different pixelation stuff. So yeah, pretty much overall, that's the easiest way I can explain it. But yeah, they're they're made just a little bit different. So yeah, that's why Europe usually gets it last. Gotcha. Okay. Well, let's move on from there. Uh, Paper Mario is the second RPG game of the Mario franchise, and was originally planned to be a direct sequel to Square's uh, Super Nintendo classic Super Mario RPG Legend of the Seven Stars. That game is so good. So damn good. I'm not a big fan of RPGs, but I did enjoy that one. Um, But later became the original story that has since had several sequels of its own. The story follows Mario in a similar attempt to rescue Princess Peach from Bowser after Bowser steals the magical star ride which makes him invisible. Mario and his many friends have to save the seven star spirits in order to become Bowser, to overcome Bowser and free Peach and the Mushroom Kingdom. Paper Mario is a RPG, one of the few notable ones on the system, which beloved, which which much beloved for its quality writing, unique paper style world renaissance of a pop-up book, Reminiscent, I'm sorry, of a pop-up book, storybook-like feeling, and some interesting platformer aspects incorporated into the game's overworld. What great story-driven RPG would be complete without a fitting soundtrack? Super Mario's real, Super Mar- Super Paper Mario really shines as one of the best, most memorable, due in no small part to the game's uh, children's book-style setting within the Mushroom Kingdom and the excellent work of composer Yoka Su Yoko, I probably butchered that and I apologize, and Tashi Senda, Paper Mario has you traveling through many different places ranging from tropical jungles to ancient desert ruins, haunted houses, and even inside a toy box. This allows for a wide variety of musical styles without seem without seeming out of place. This all wraps around the cute story and presentation to make Paper Mario the unforgettable package of RPG goodness fans still adore to this day. Uh, standout tracks include the Shooting Star Summit, Battle Fanfare, and Mario and Peach's theme. What did you guys think about Paper Mario and the soundtrack? Quick question. Did we talk about Kirby's soundtrack? Uh, a little bit. I, a little yeah, bit. Did. A little bit, yeah. Okay. Because I was thinking, I was like, and I, I don't think I remember seeing my actual one uh, for Kirby, but for me, it would be, you know, I went back and actually looked. Uh, the Aquastar probably is one of my favorite ones on that one. And 
Yeah. The one I think I remember the most. But um, for Paper Mario, um, uh, there's there's a lot of good ones on that one actually. Um, Shooting Star Summit might be the banger on that one. Um, I don't know. There's that one's a little hard. That one's like that one's like Majora's Mask, where you can just like say a song like "Yeah, that that one" or "Yeah, that one, like or that one." I, or that one. I really it's liked, so good. Yeah, I, I really liked the uh, Kuba Village theme. Yes, uh, that one and uh, the when you you go into Yoshi's Village, you know what I'm talking about. Yeah. Right? Um, Gosh, I'm trying to think. Like, there's just so much. I, I think it's called Welcome to Yoshi's Village, but I'm not. Don't quote me on that. I think that's what it's called. It might be. I like Dry Dry Desert. Like, that one was good, too. It had that bump, da da dum 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 Like, yeah. it had. Yeah. It had, I, it, okay. You know what I'm talking about? Like, yeah, I'm, I remember that one. Like, I, I don't think I remember the. Like Paper Mario, it's probably less of me remembering the name of it, but more of like the desert, uh, desert, more of the level itself, like just what the right. level was, more than the name. Yeah, of the, uh, the Dry Dry Ruins quest was also good because it was like that. It had, uh, it had like oboes in it as well, you know, and it also had those. Uh, I can't think of the name of the drum. It's like a tom drum, but it's not a tom drum. I can't think of. I can't think of exactly what the drum is called, but it had them and it had oboes playing at the same time. And it sounded very dark and very, you know, sinister because you're going through this one part of the level where it's just like, you know, you're in the ruins and, you know, it's real creepy and things of that nature. Like, I really enjoyed that part of the game as well. Yeah. What about you, Roger? Let's say, what about you, Roger? I thought I said mine already. Oh, you did? Yeah. Okay. I said shoot star summit. Oh, okay. Okay, shoot star. Okay. That's all. Like, wait, I was like, wait, wait, wait. I thought you were waiting on me to go to the next one. No, no, no. no. Well, no. Well, you had mentioned something that it, that it was kind of like Majora's Mask. I didn't know if you were going to fanboy over it the same way we fanboyed over Majora's Mask. It, like, like I said, like it's so many. There's so many. But like I said, I don't remember the name of the levels like per se like that. I just remember like the song for like what the theme like. Oh, the like you said the dry bones one, and it took me a second to realize the desert. Yeah, that one's good. Like it took me like I don't remember them off the top of my head like that. Majora's gotcha. Mask. I mean. I could probably do a blind playthrough of that one and fucking that one is just so easily in my mind because I probably that's probably the game I've spent the third most amount of time actually playing all the way through. So right. it's just easily in my mind. Right. right. I, I get it. But this this what's the next one? The last one of the night. What are we looking at? So number one. Um I mean we we did an episode about it. Um <laughs> I mean, yeah. one A, one B for this one, and, and it's the, the the sequel, or not the sequel, but the the one that followed it. Um, but the sequel, no, dang it, the one that followed it, not the sequel, but the one that followed it, they use some of this music. But the first number one on the list, the Legend of Zelda: Ocarina of Time, or Zeruda no Dentsu Toki no Ocarina. Um, you said that better than I would have. Yep. I've actually well. Have you ever seen? Have you guys ever watched the uh, 
uh, speed runs of these games because they use the Japanese versions. So that's no. how I know what it is. Oh, you, you definitely need to, especially. Um, so in Ocarina of Time, the speed run, the Japanese one glitches so badly that you can actually be uh, Ganon with a uh, stick. Um, yeah, isn't it like it, like seven minutes is the, yeah. the quickest? Something like that. It's like under 10 minutes. And Majora's Mask, I think, is at the 10 minute mark. It may be under that now, but it's yeah. just so ridiculous that like you can literally skip through the game. By just breaking boundaries, um, by doing weird flips and side angles and stuff, and just like they get like if these games didn't have forced uh, dialogue parts, they probably would be like a minute each. Um, but no, it's ridiculously great. But no, um, I actually did have this version also because I had the uh, Legend of Zelda pack on the GameCube that had Ocarina of Time Master Quest. Um, Okay, Just, so the uh, Ocarina of Time speed run right mm-hmm. now, the record is 3 minutes, 56 seconds, 683 milliseconds. That was set nine months ago. Damn! Oh, that wow. must have been... Um, does it say who it was by? Uh, Paintscape 8. Paintscape 8. I... T- so yeah. every summer they do uh sp- their speedruns games called um is awesome uh is games done quick is what the charity is and it's just a bunch of speedrunners that get together and do uh speedruns for charity and they like every they have certain like goals at each certain like dollar amount to do different ones. I wonder if he's the one that usually does the Zelda one. I can't remember what his name is, but I'll send you guys some of the videos of like how amazingly great these guys are and what they do with different games on like different versions that they just find like the game breaks of and how, how weird and simple like the game technically could be once you pass a certain boundary of each game. But I mean, yeah, it's just, I don't know. It's just like, yes. Um, Okay. And uh, the the speed run record for Majora's Mask is one hour fifteen minutes twenty six seconds. One hour still. One hour fifteen minutes twenty six seconds. That was set five mm. months ago by Pope Squidward. Man, that's still shocking me. Actually, yeah, Pope Squidward. Yep. Okay. Hey, these people. These are gamers. You think they got creativity? <laughs> I mean, Pope, Squ- Pope Squidward's pretty creative, to be honest. But no. Uh, all right, let me get into this. Uh, get into it. Let's get into it. So, publisher and developer Nintendo. Uh, release date, November 21st, 1998 in Japan. November 23rd, 1998 in North America. They localized it before they shipped it out. Oh. Mm-hmm. Which is weird that they didn't do that with the Majora's Mask. Um, strange to me. And then December 11th, 1998, uh, in Europe. So uh, Nintendo 64 enthusiasts and gamers in general likely saw this one coming, but our number one pick on the best Nintendo 64 soundtrack is the legendary Legend of Zelda Ocarina of Time. And Ocarina of Time with another gal. Ocarina of Time with another groundbreaking blockbuster from Nintendo that has been amazingly influential on future installments and game development as a whole. Ocarina of Time follows Link in an amazing fantasy adventure across Hyrule in his quest to stop evil Gerudo King Ganon uh, from obtaining the all-powerful Triforce. 
with a beautifully detailed world full of interesting characters, places, and unique time travel mechanic that has you play as both child and adult Link. Ocarina of Time is considered by many to be both the best game on Nintendo's third major console and perhaps the greatest game of all time. Facts. So Ocarina of Time's Ocarina's Time story and mechanics are very musical in nature, which is part of what made it a shoe-in for our top spot. Um, throughout the story, Link will learn songs to play on his ocarina that have different effects on him and in the world. These songs are a major source of the many puzzles players will encounter in many different types of magical effects, such as summoning rain, teleporting Link to various locations, changing night to day, and more. Um, each is activated by the player actually pressing buttons that correspond to notes on the song, uh, which ties the whole experience to re- together magnificently. The music itself is amazing to say the least. Um, some of the god himself, Koji Kondo's finest work, and includes some of the most iconic songs in video game history. And a masterpiece on all accounts and well-deserving of the prestigious place on our list. Uh, standout tracks are... Uh, Title theme, Gerudo Valley, Zora's Domain. Why is Zarya's song not the one that stands out the most? Yeah, I'm fixing to say, where the fuck is Zarya's song? Or Zarya's song? Um, Zarya's song, and then the uh, Zelda's lullaby. Uh, the Dongo's Cavern was also Yeah, the Cavern. Good. Yeah. What is the the Bolero Fire? Is that the one? That's the name of it? Yeah, Bolero Fire? Yeah. The one where she teaches yeah. you in the uh, volcano. Yeah. But also, but also when Ganondorf first appears, that that very dark. Yes. Uh, yeah. That very dark, that very sinister sounding, very like it almost sounds like yo sh- it's one of them it's one of those tracks that you listen to and you think, oh shit, someone's fixing to get killed. Like, that's the first thing you think when you hear some music like that. Like, it's very dark, very, like, something wicked this way comes almost. You know what I mean? Yeah. Also, when you first go into Hyrule and just the, the marketplace sound in general. Yeah. Um, um, go ahead. Go ahead. No, I, I, I was going to ask, like, uh, so as three guys who played Ocarina of Time religiously and all three probably think that Saria's song is one of, if not the best song that's between that and Epona's melody. Uh, um, for Ocarina or just in Zelda games for Ocarina. Okay. Um, do you remember how to play Saria's song? Yes. Okay. Talon. Actually, actually now I think about it. Uh, I have the GameCube one in my head. Um, not the actual N64 version because it doesn't have X or Y. I, dude, I, I, dude, it's been so long since I played it, dude. I played a little bit of it on the uh, on the uh, Switch, but God, I haven't been. I, it's been so long since I played. I couldn't. I couldn't begin to tell you again. I okay. have to go back. I feel so horrible. <laughs> I let y'all down. I'm so sorry. <laughs> Hold on. Um, it was it was very simple. Hold on. Give me a second. I'm trying to think about it. What it would be on the. 64. So was it on a C stick? Uh, left up right, left up right. No, no. Which one no, is that one? That is. one was Song of Storms, wasn't it? No, I, I think so. Uh, sorry, a song was uh, down right, left, down right, left. Yeah, yeah. Because on uh, 
on the GameCube, it was like AXYAXY. On the okay, yeah, because you had to use the the yellow uh, arrow. The yellow, yeah, right. yeah. Yeah, I was trying to remember what it would have been on by the GameCube. Nope, that was not gonna be it. All right. Um, yeah, and you you said um, up left right, up left right. No, left left up right, left up right. Oh, okay. Because up left right, up left right was Epona's song. Epona's song, yeah, I do know that one because yeah. it's the okay. inter- yeah. Um, uh, the GameCube and the GameCube and Switch versions were uh, right trigger YX, right trigger YX. I never used right trigger. That's weird. Yeah, I don't. That, that's what that's what I'm currently looking at right now. Okay, I was just going by memory. Okay. Do you use right triggers in GameCube? That's weird. I don't remember. Oh, I didn't play it on game. Yes, I did. I don't remember. You had the left. You, you had the left trigger, the right trigger, the Z button was the left trigger, right trigger, and Z button were, were all on top. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. You had, you had XY, the A B Y X, A B Y X, and then you had the uh, the yellow joystick, the C, the, the stick, stick itself. Yeah. yeah, the C stick itself. But you didn't use the C stick when you did the uh, the music. The music you used yeah, the buttons, weird. and it was right trigger Y X, white tr- right trigger Y X. Man, I I could have sworn it was a a man. I might have actually switched the controls though, because I, I don't like using. The, I didn't like using the triggers. I don't even think I use triggers for the shields. That's interesting. Oh, the GameCube was just weird to me like that. Hmm. I I actually think I actually did use a C stick. Okay. Trying to think, the C stick also. No, it didn't help you do his inventory on that one. Yeah, I don't remember. Um, no. So, so anyway, before we fanboy for another hour over Legend of Zelda, um, th- there's a few games that I think should be on this list that aren't on this list that, mm-hmm. that rank up there. Um, 1080 Snowboarding is one for me. Get that game out of here. <sighs> Shut up! It was so hard. For, it was so hard for me to play as a child. Uh, I love that game. Uh, Donkey Kong sixty four was not on this yes. list. I know it's and, so weird, isn't it? And it should have been. Um, and then uh, Conquer's Bad Fur Day. Yep. Um, and I know like a perfect dark, are, like I said. Yeah, and I know those are like rare games, or not rare, but rare. The, the production company. company. Yeah. Um <laughs> and and maybe we we need to do a list of the like top ten rare soundtracks. Um because I I would have put uh Donkey Kong on here and taken off uh if I could take one off and put Donkey Kong on I would probably Bomberman. take off Vomeran. Yeah. Yeah. Um I mean I would probably me, I'd probably add uh Tony on Poor Skater 2 on there. But it's not a original soundtrack, add licensed music. Never mind. Um yeah. I was just thinking about that one off the top of my head. Uh I'm <sighs> one with an original soundtrack. Yeah, uh, now to come probably to Pokemon come Snap. Was was I don't now that I think about it, was 1080 snowboarding an original, or did they use licensed music? I can't remember now. 1080, 1080 was original. 
Yeah, there was a Netflix original one. Um, okay. I love but I, it was just so hard, hard for me as a child. So, I mean, I probably might play it now. Um, I got I got three go that ahead. I would have that I would add to the list. And this just might, it might be biased for me to say this. All right. And I'm sorry. Well, if you're adding, what you got to, what are you taking away? Cause I added Donkey Kong and took away Bomberman. Well, I'm going to take away Bomberman. Okay. And okay. Out of all the games that are here, I'm going to take away Bomberman. I'm going to take away Banjo Kazooie. Oof. And I'm going to take away Kirby 64. Oof. And okay. in their plate, and in their place, I'm going to do Mario Party Two. I think Mario Party Two had the best soundtrack of the three that were on the N64. Okay, I'm also going to go with Donkey Kong 64. Put Donkey Kong 64 up on that list, and Yoshi Story. I thought Yoshi Story had a pretty cool soundtrack to it. Um, now, if I wanted to go all the way. I would say that the WWF No Mercy uh, original music, not the entrance musics, but just the music that they use for like the uh, the menu and the and the music that they use while you're wrestling during the game. I mean, I thought a lot of that was pretty pretty cool too. I thought it was just uh, two songs though. It was the men- menu music one, and then just, just no, there the was not, no, no, there, no, there was different. There was different. Each one had each uh, each. Uh, Thing, like the Smackdown Mall had different entrance than when you go to uh, the story mode and the story mode was different from and they would change up the music in the game uh, like depending on what type of match it was I don't remember that huh. I remember I remember that but, yeah, but yeah, those are my three and, and again I'm not saying that Banjo-Kazooie's music wasn't great and I'm not saying that the Kirby music wasn't great uh, but I mean, Bomberman's was good. Um, you know, like that was going to be my question to you guys is if you had to remove any and put one on, like what would you replace it with? Definitely Donkey um, Kong 64. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Donkey Kong 64 over Bomberman all day. Um, yeah. yeah. Conquer Bedford Day, like you said. Uh, yeah. I, Jeff I, or Gemini had a good one too, but yeah. I don't think it'd be on the top 10 listing. I might no, I put uh, I, I might remove Gomon's Great Adventure. I enjoyed that, but that's also one of those kind of obscure games. Like not a ton of people that I know played that game. Uh, it, like you really had to seek it out. Um, so I may, you know, put Conquer's Bad Fur Day where that is. Uh, I mean, but, Pokemon Snap to me is also on the list, so I take I would take uh, Go Man off and Bomberman and put Donkey Kong sixty four and Pokemon Snap. Um, Donkey Kong Country obviously higher on the list than uh, Pokemon Snap because it just had such an amazing soundtrack overall. Yeah, I mean, there's not really any right or wrong when it comes to this list specifically. I mean, it's all you know, subjective, you know, to a certain degree. And we all have our own opinions as to which games we think were, you know, had the better overall soundtracks and things of that nature. Um, but I mean, it's just cool to, you know, sit and talk about it, you know, cause you know, a lot of these games are some of the best games that's ever been made, especially the, the Zelda games, super Mario 64, Mario Kart 64, like, you know, some of the greatest games of all time. 
Um, like, like there's been so many great games on the 64 um, that, you know, and even scrolling through looking at some of the uh, games on here, like there's even games that we, that, you know, none of us mentioned. Um, you mentioned Tony Hawk, but that was licensed music. music yeah. Yeah. So, um, you know, uh, Torok, uh, Bounty, the Torok Dinosaur Hunter, you know, had a very good, you know, it was more of like a movie soundtrack in a sense. Like it wasn't anything that like stood, nothing stood out specifically, but you could tell like, okay, this is like, you're like, you're, 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 you're hunting dinosaurs basically. So it's like an urban jungle kind of feel to it, you know? Um, you know, but yeah, overall, you know, the, I think, I think this was a, which was, was, was a pretty cool list. Um, you know, like I said, I think we would change certain things, but that's for, you know, a different, you know, different day and a different time. That being said, though, thank you guys so much for listening to this episode of Movement Radio. Hope you guys enjoyed it. And if you guys have any soundtracks that you enjoy that maybe should be on this list, or if you think that we are stupid and don't deserve to even talk about this or whatever, um, let us know what your uh, picks are. Um, if you think we're stupid and don't know what we're talking about, put your address down. We'll fight you. <laughs> Roger really trying to prove he the mayor of Duff City. Um, Tell me all- my opinion about Zelda music's wrong. Get out of here. Yeah, well, no, but see that I think I think I think we'll all three fight at that point because. <laughs> but yeah, um, yeah, like we said, man, everything was everything on the list was great. It really was. Um, but yeah, but if you have a difference of opinion or tell us some of your favorite video game soundtracks, so let us know on the. Uh, facebook page on the on the movement radio uh, fan page um a lot got a lot of cool things coming up um in the in the works right now for movement radio um but before we uh before we get to get into that uh anything you guys want to say before we bounce out here this evening um as always check out movementradio.us that is your one-stop shop for all things movement radio and what about our sponsors tonight raj um sponsors uh as usual, you know, our, our favorite gear anime, um, which actually does have Legend of Zelda stuff, as Chip pointed out uh, last episode, or ep- no, like three episodes ago yeah. um, at this point. Uh, but yes, gearanime.com forward slash movement radio. And when you go to checkout, use promo code move radio for free shipping. Um, get anything from Zelda gear, or Zelda gear, Zelda shoes, uh, slides, eye mask, stuff like that. And also your favorite animes for all you nerds out there, um, like us. Um, so gearanime.com forward slash movement radio promo code move radio gives you free shipping. Um, also, shout out to Audible. Thank you for sponsoring us too. If you go and use uh, audibletrial.com forward slash movement radio and use, uh, you get 30 free day trial of audible and a free audible audio book and even prime you get two free audiobooks um and then to canva uh who we've been using a crap ton here recently uh, yeah uh, uh that go to partners.canva.com forward slash movement radio um 
it has anything from banners to business cards to making yourself a logo. You got to get your branding out there. Um, thumbnails for YouTube, Facebook stories, Facebook posts, Instagram posts, uh, TikTok, anything like that, social media wise, also business oriented stuff. Um, branding, anything like that you can think of. They've got you there. They can help you there with templates. And also you can make your own and they have the right sizes for you for depending on what you're going to use it for. So, Thank you to Canva. So that's partners.canva.com forward slash movement radio. Shout out to all of our friends who've been down with us since day one. Shout out to Sean Thompson at Thompson Personal Training, Jerry and Jennifer at the Chronic Conversations Podcast, Andrew and Sean at the Warrior Workout Network, Ivan Montanez, twitch.tv slash Unleash Demon, all the big homies over at These Ninjas Podcast. Should I watch that with Sean Miller? Damon Smith with Cover Two Sports. And shout out to Rocky Spurlock. It is this Saturday, ladies and gentlemen, August 13th, 2022. We are going to be at Farley Con at Camp Jordan Arena in Eastridge, Tennessee. Tickets are still available for that event. Go to farleycon.com uh, to check out the event and to check or to uh, check out the uh, the website to see if there are any. Or, you know, they should be tickets available. Uh, Farley Con is going to be uh, you know really cool show. We got. Uh, Hall of WWE Hall of Famer Ron Simmons is going to be in the house. We're going to have uh, Lex Luger is going to be there. Larry Hama, Kyle Phillips, Mike Grail, uh, Patricia Pats, Robert and Sean Lamb, Jason Flowers, Dan Jolly, John Anderson, Matthew Ashley, Alex Ogle, uh, Andy uh, Duggan, uh, Dimitri Walker, a plethora of artists, a plethora of comic book writers, a plethora of uh, collectors that are also going to be there. The vendors, you know, if you love toys, memorabilia, collectibles, um, and also um, a good, you know, definitely go by the uh, the Pops for Patients booth. Um, you know, if you have any Funko Pops that you would like to donate, um, you know, all the information is on the uh, the website farleycon.com. Um, so yeah, we are we're looking forward to that. Uh, it should be fun. And uh, come by, see us, hang out with us, and uh, we look forward to seeing you guys there. Uh, and uh, we got a lot of cool things coming down the pipe from Movement Radio. Uh, Are You Ready for Some Football is going to be uh, coming back really, really soon. Um, we'll give you guys an exact date for that here in just a couple of weeks. Um, I mean, yeah. by the time this episode comes out, it'll probably be the following week. But this episode is scheduled to air on the 8th of August, so we should yeah. be cool. Um, nevertheless, though. Uh, yeah, you know, we're looking forward to that. You know, got a whole lot of cool episodes come up. Make sure you guys do check out the YouTube channel. Uh, Chip and Roger have been putting Please out a lot do. of cool, you know, uh, get us, help us to help us to get our, uh, subscribers up. Um, if I can figure out how to fix this damn thing, I, I'll be jumping on there pretty soon. Um, Just use my keyboard. As you, I, I probably could do that too, I guess. Um, uh, never done it that way before. I'm also, I'm so used to using a controller. Um, I'll get it figured out. That being said, ladies and gentlemen, we thank you so much for tuning into this episode. We love you guys. We appreciate you guys. And we'll see you guys next time. Let's hit them with the outro. Please do not leave without leaving a like, comment, share, and subscribe on your favorite podcasting platform. Follow us on all of our social media, Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, and TikTok. Check out the YouTube channel. Subscribe. Click that bell to get notified of our latest videos. And once again, check out movementradio.us. I am Chip Hazard. I'm Talon Williams. I'm Roger Sierra. And this is is movement radio god's plan